0: 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins, weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad. Nugent Hopkins, left circle, wrist shot, score! Patrick, Ryan Nugent Hopkins! The K.A.J. who's up across the 40, he swings it to the 45, the 50, down the sidelines he goes! The K.A.J., he's got all sorts of data. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 630 Chet.
1: Well, I got to hand it to 630 Chet listener Jordan. He is jumping out of the gate tonight, almost charged with a false start. It was one of those, like, suspiciously fast starts where the guy's just anticipating the gun and he gets it correct. Jordan texting in to 630-630. This one's coming in hot, Kellen. Are you ready? It's a little harsh. It's a little harsh, but Jordan's clearly upset, and he, he can vent that to me. It's okay. It's okay to get things off your chest to old Wilkie here. Jordan texting in. He says, good riddance to Yessi Pugliarvi. The NHL is for men, not little whining boys. He doesn't deserve an NHL contract. That is Jordan getting things going with a flurry on Inside Sports tonight. You can text 630-630 as well. The phone number is 780-496-0063. And that is indeed one of our many discussion points this evening. Jesse RV has signed a one-year contract with Karpat in Finland. Uh, That's the team that he played with before being drafted by the Oilers. The 21-year-old has an NHL opt-out clause in effect until December 1st. 139 games with the Oilers. He has just 17 goals and and 37 points, and we have discussed this story off and on throughout the summer. Pugliarvi under a couple of different head coaches, uh, one of whom shortly after he became the Oilers head coach, Ken Hitchcock, who told the general manager, Peter Shrelly, call this guy up. I want him learning in the NHL. I think I can work with him. I think I can turn him into a player. And then ultimately, Ken Hitchcock wound up generally playing Jesse Pugliarvi even fewer minutes than the previous head coach, Todd McClellan. And puglia season was eventually shut down because of the uh, the double hip hip surgery. And uh, then the agent says, uh, you know what, not going to play in Edmonton, trade him or go to Finland. And new general manager Ken Hollander says, well, I don't know, I'm not going to rush to do anything. If something works for the Oilers, I'll do it. If not, he can go to Europe. Okay, whatever. And, uh, and now that uh, that is indeed happening. So uh, th- this is not... Been a good situation for either side, as I've said in the past. I I, I think there were definitely uh, multiple stages in Puliyarvi's pro career where he was not handled well by the oilers he should should not have stayed in the nhl as long as he did in his first season I, I i thought i i even asked general manager peter shirelli about that during that year the first one in rogers place uh having said that i think there's some responsibility on the individual here and, and it, it has always struck me as curious that with a new coach and a new general manager pull and his camp are, are still saying no, no no we just we just don't want to be there uh, and and get us out of there and, and trade us so I think it's unlikely he ever plays. I mean, look, even though they've said he's never going to play for the Oilers again, it is still in the realm of possibility, but I think it's uh, pretty darn unlikely. And uh, Jordan's text has inspired a couple of others to text in as well. Uh, Timothy says, uh, in hindsight, it was a mistake for the Oilers to draft Puli fourth overall, but Ken Holland would only compound that mistake by giving in to his trade demands he didn't contribute to the team last year, so nothing is lost by having him play in Europe. That is a text to 630, 630 from Timothy. And uh, Deborah says, Hey, Reed, I think Puyarvi was mismanaged and poorly coached by the Orthers. But I also think he is getting bad advice from his agent. He won't prove himself as an NHLer by not playing in the NHL. That is a text from uh, Deborah, And, of course, your, your feedback is welcome by texting 630 six30. You're calling 780-496-0063 like this young man has done. John, thanks
2: a lot for ringing in. Hey, Reid, have you got time for three golf jokes? Uh, from you, always. Oh, great. Well, listen, the first one is the caddy and the golfer are walking down the fairway. And the caddy says, you know, I think your ball went down that ravine over there. So they walk over to the ravine, and the golfer looks down. and Sure enough, his ball's down there. So he says, okay, give me the seven iron, and I'll go down to the bottom of the ravine. So he gets down to the bottom of the ravine, and next to his ball is a corpse. And the cadaver has his fingers tightly wrapped around a seven iron. And so the golfer looks at this, and then he yells up, Hey, throw me down the 8-iron. The 7 isn't going to work.
1: <laughs> that's that's pretty good.
2: Oh, yes. The next one is from a golf tournament uh, on, in Pebble Beach, California. And Jack Nicklaus and Arnie Palmer are having a, a libation after a round. And Jack's had a particularly bad day, and Arnie's had an amazing day. And Jack says, You know... Arnie, uh, a lot of highs and lows with golf some days, great scores other days, terrible scores up and down all over the map. I think golf's a lot like life, don't you think? And Arnie says, oh, I think you're mistaken, Jack. Golf is way more complicated than life. The next one is at the same golf tournament, and it's Frank Sinatra. And he's played in the celebrity tournament, and then did, he's giving an interview. write
1: these jokes yourself, John? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Read, I have a, a vast <laughs> supply of them, and I save them.
1: <laughs> okay. Anyway.
2: So Frank Sinatra is giving an interview, and he says, You know, you give me a beautiful sunny day, and you give me a beautiful golf course, and you give me a beautiful woman, and I'll take the beautiful woman every single time. That sort of sums up my philosophy on golf, really. Well,
1: John, you know, you've, you'd already created a, a, a persona for yourself with your, your calls in about the, the Oilers and the Eskimos, depending on what was on your mind, and now you're adding these uh, golf jokes to your you repertoire. What, so I'm not I, sure what's next. i gotta
2: say next. that this, the most fun I've had watching golf tournaments was this year, watching both the British Open and the women's and the men, and seeing that wonderful rookie Japanese golfer smiling and laughing all the way down the last 18 holes with great shots and enjoying herself. And ditto for Kyle Lowry, enjoying the support from all his fans. You just don't see that in the tournament stuff. Somebody at the end of the tournament does a fist pump and a high five, but you just don't see a lot of smiles, and I just I enjoyed that so much.
1: All right. It, you get, there's got to be Oilers or Eskimo stuff on your mind, John.
2: Oh, my gosh. The Eskimos, they got to fix some things. The pass protection against the Bombers was a problem. And I thought Jason Moss would make an adjustment at halftime and maybe do go with a tight end set and handle Willie Jefferson, get an extra blocker in. And then the other thing the teams are doing when we get to the red zone is they're sending five or six guys, and last year it really bugged me that we didn't have an outlet play. We didn't have a screen that works. We didn't, we didn't have a flat pass that could work. And I, they got to practice that and get Gable and some of the other guys out, out to the sidelines so that in the first second or two when they know the blitz is coming, they can do an outlet and, and it's rare for a blitz to cover those wide guys. That's the first thing. The second thing is, man, you got to stop the run. And I just I don't understand why. I mean, in a blitzing type of defense, that's not going to work against two guys who are both really good runners. So, I was disappointed that way.
1: Well, I, I was disappointed that they, they. I mean, I mean, you knew the bombers were going to run. I mean, they they could have loaded up the box and and just covered man to man and dared Streverler to throw. And he's proven he's not a great, he's he's not a great actual quarterback, if you know what I mean. So yeah, I, I was. That's that's probably yeah, I I know Winnipeg's a good team and they've beat almost everybody but that was that was the most disappointed I've been in the Eskimos defense this season.
2: Yeah, and you know and so that's the one instance where a blitz defense isn't going to work there's too many lanes that are open. So and and Winnipeg is good. I mean, their defense is really good, but I just thought boy, I would hope that those two things would be improved.
1: All right. Thank you, John. Always good to hear from you.
2: Great. Always a pleasure, Reed. Thanks.
1: All right. That is the uh, always uh, entertaining, and he's always welcome to call John. I'm sure you love him as well. He's brought us some uh, classic golf jokes <laughs> throughout this summer, and he's looking to carry that into the fall at 780-496-0063. You can text 630-630. Uh, more comments rolling. And about Yessi Puliary, about uh, the Eskimos' struggle to score points, we will touch on both when we get back.
2: This is Don Yunoma of the
0: Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 6:30. Chad
1: is in action tonight, leading Atlanta 2-0 that game in the top of the fifth. We'll keep you updated. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. You can text 630-630 Jesse Pugliarvi has signed in Finland a one-year deal with CarPath. Car- uh, he does have an NHL opt-out clause until December 1st, so uh, sort of, I, I think probably the soap opera here at least winding down for the summer. Uh, some text to 63630. Trucker Dave says, good day, Reid. I'm not surprised. puliyarvi has gone back to Finland. I think he was a bit of a dreamer if he thought he was top six on the Oilers. Dave says, uh, see you later, puliyarvi We don't need any further drama on this team. Positive players who want to win as a team are what the Oilers need right now. Good call by Ken Holland, giving him the cold shoulder. shoulder. That is from Dave. Uh, where's another text I wanted to read here? Corey says, Hey, Reed, isn't it great how Oilers fans love to hate players and run them out of town? Gives us such a great reputation around the league. That is from uh, Corey, who I think's being a little uh, cheeky with that. Look, I... I there's definitely been players over the Oilers' uh, 40 years in the league who have fallen out of favor and have been probably unfairly become whipping boys. I, you know, I always got the sense from hosting this show, hosting the the postgame show, that, that people wanted to see Pulley arvey succeed. And that there was definitely the, the sense, I don't want to speak from everybody, but I, I think a lot of people thought he probably needed more time in the minors. I mean, you can't go back and redo the draft. Would have other teams taken him there once he fell from three to four? Probably not every team, but I think a lot of teams would have. Um, I, I think, you know, I'll say this to you, Corey. I, I think the reason people now are saying, well, fine, if he wants to go, go, is is simply for that reason. If it If it's reached the point where he has said, I don't want to play for the Oilers. I, I don't think he's a whipping boy or he's being run out of town. I think fans are just saying, all right, you don't want to wear our colors. You you might as well go somewhere you're, you're comfortable. But I, I, I think in uh, last year, a lot of people wanted him to succeed, wanted to see if Hitch could do something that McClellan couldn't. But uh, that, that didn't really happen. Uh, a guy from Wainwright texting in. Perhaps a former member of the uh, Wainwright Jr. B. Bisons. I don't know. Says it appears to me that yes he doesn't get along with some of his teammates even with a big overhaul of management he still doesn't want to play just my opinion a guy from Wainwright you know what um there could be something to that and and look i'm I'm around the team a lot, but i'm not in the dressing room where it 's just the players i 'm not around them socially, but you just wonder if if something like that wasn't clicking for pullarvi where it was to the point where he just didn't feel that he could be in that dressing room, and even with a new coach and a new manager, that that it was going to work. Because, you know, again, there's the overhaul. It, there's another coach to deal with them. There's a new manager that that has no history with them, and he's still saying, "Get me out of here." So, that you know what that you know, we're speculating. Me and the guy from Wainwright. Uh, you know, I don't want to create gossip or anything, but I, I think you have to wonder and raise a question like that. Roadhammer says Pugliarvi gone. No problemo. Gaetan Haas raring to go. LOL, you can't handle the Haas. Another LOL from Roadhammer, who is our reigning champion in the Sylvan Lake Alliance of Wrestling. Gaetan Haas. Oh, man. I I have no idea. Joachim Nygard signed out of Europe. I think he's going to be on the Oilers. I think he might actually be a, a decent role player in terms of speed and penalty killing. I don't know if there's going to be a little offense. Gaetan Haas, I don't know if he's going to play a game in the NHL, quite frankly. I mean, he's obviously going to get chances to, to prove himself, given that they did go out and sign him. But, man, I I don't know about that. Castledown's Dan is on the line. Hey, Reed, How's it Good.
0: Awesome. So I guess uh, Jesse Army uh, finally did something for the Oilers because... If he'd have come to camp, he probably would have been sent down and wouldn't have cleared waivers, correct?
1: Oh, uh, I don't know. Maybe.
0: If he, if he signed a contract then uh, and came to camp, if he didn't make the Oilers and went down, he'd be subject to waivers, would he not? So,
1: uh, yeah, because he's out of his ELC.
0: That's right. So uh, at least this way they can get a bag of pucks for him. And I know that's just trying to be funny or whatever. It's been... Mean, but, you know, at least this way they may
1: get something for him. Well, maybe not, though. <laughs> I mean, he's... Well, yeah, still maybe not.
0: You know, he could wind up... Uh, uh, how long does he have to uh,
1: uh, I'm just, Lubiter- You know what? He's not... Um, if a skater signs his entry-level contract at 18, he will become waiver-eligible after playing 160 NHL games or after five seasons under contract, whichever comes first. He's only at 139 games. Okay, so uh, just double checking so that. Years, but but anyway, years, like if if here here's here's how I look at this. Dan, if if he goes, what if he goes to Finland and doesn't score? What if he doesn't produce there? How is he? Who's going to take him back into the NHL? They, is well, he somebody who wants to wants
0: to rob Edmonton blind? <laughs> really, I mean, like is is. Trade cachet right now is so low. Right, it, you know, if it goes lower, who is going
1: to take them? Right, that's that. That's what I'm saying. So I mean, it, this is not. A, look, this is in no. This is in no way a great situation for the Oilers because they got a fourth overall pick that may never really be a productive player for them, and they may not be able to to trade for. So that's that's a downer for the Oilers. It, it could be yep. a big downer for Puljuhvi if he goes to europe and, and hopes to rejuvenate his career and, and isn't productive because then no one's g- going to look at him so this i mean this could be a really a lose lose
0: absolutely absolutely i don't think there's really too many scenarios where it's a win win
1: no probably not probably not thanks dan Okay. Have a good one. All right. That's Dan seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. This texter says, "I'm happy that Puliarvi is going to Finland. Hope he finally gets some development and gains confidence and learns some uh, good life lessons. Best case scenario, his value will go up." Oz says, "My issue with Puliarvi was his soft play, uh, even." Jordan Everly worked harder in the corners. He had Lucic on his line to teach him to use his body. He didn't. That's why even Hitchcock limited his play. That kind of work ethic doesn't last in the NHL level. His agent is just as delusional for backing that sort of thinking. Let them earn a ticket out. Uh, I really don't believe he will even do that. That is from uh, Oz. Well, uh, you know when you there are there are star players in the NHL where you just know. Okay, you got McDavid. You got Drysital. You got Kane you got Goudreau, whoever list list all the big guys Crosby Malkin Ovechkin where they're going to have they're, they're going to produce almost every night they're going to be dangerous almost every night they're going to be consistent pretty much all the time everybody else you, you have to and, and Rob Brown talks about this you have to have a dimension and I think for Puljarvi what is his dimension and I've had uh, I I've had people ask me that and I've asked people that in return what what is Yessi Pugliarvi's dimension and and I struggle to to answer that I mean I think he was drafted as somebody who was hopefully going to be somewhat of a playmaker who could also finish but that that didn't really happen um did he did he work on becoming a, a checker and and did he work on killing penalties or, or at least being a shooter? You know that that didn't really happen. So that was the the thing to me where I kind of thought, okay, what do the Oilers actually have here? What has he taken steps toward becoming at the NHL level? and I didn't really know that and again I I think that falls on the Oilers where maybe that should have been addressed earlier in his career with longer stints in the minors or a full season in the career and then I I also think that falls on the player where sometimes you have to say like okay maybe I'm not gonna produce offensively like they thought I would right now so how do I round out my game so I'm still getting some ice time got time for Elvis here go ahead Elvis Hey Reed, good to, good to see you back
0: from holidays. And uh, uh, this Pouliot situation is is a, is a situation where uh, you know what? There's enough blame to go around for everybody. The best case scenario, I like Holland standing by his guns and sending him over there. I mean, either he turns into a player. I don't think his cachet can go down any worse than what it is right now. And uh, you know, like I mean, he's got till December, is it first, to, yep. to come back to the NHL. Yep. Yeah. So I don't I don't know. I think it's I think it's a big risk and I think when you have a player, I was always in the Pouliarve camp, Reed, and I was really pulling for him until he made that statement that he wants to get traded to a team where he's gonna get fifteen minutes a night and play in their top six. I just saw a delusion. Thanks, Elvis. All right, Reid. take care, bud.
1: And uh, Brian texted again, he says, Thanks to the Oilers for jumping on Pouliarve instead of taking Matthew Kachuk, I've loved watching him as a flame. Well, Brian, thanks to, for listening to Edmonton Sports Radio. <laughs> You're a Calgary fan. Uh, Kachuk's been really good for Calgary. I will say this. I do think the pick for the Oilers, if, if Puglia-Arvey had and fell there, I think it was going to be Sergachev, who probably would have looked good on the Oilers' blue line. But it didn't work out that way. Uh, more on this. Uh, Brad Lauer from the Oil Kings is going to hop on the show later on tonight. Former Eskimo, Singor Mobley. Eskimos-Stampeders, our next football broadcast, Labor Day Monday, 1 o'clock in the afternoon for the countdown to kick off. The game will start at 2.30 as the Eskimos try to end a seven-game Labor Day losing streak. Not good, not good. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 6:30. Chat. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight, Kellen Kennedy, on the other side of the window as your uh, studio producer. Kellen, good to see you, buddy. Good to see you too, Reed. How are you doing? I am. Uh, I'm doing quite well. We're discussing the Jesse uh, Pulijarvi story. He has signed for a year to play for Karpat in Finland and uh, we'll get rolling with some Eskimos chat as well. Former, you remember this guy, Singor Mobley, very good linebacker for the Eskimos. He was very good for us uh, back in the day. Former, was it, Dallas Cowboy, right? He was with the Eskimos, went to the Cowboys, uh, came back to the Eskimos. Really good player. He's going to check in tonight between uh, 7 and 7.30. We have Kings Court coming up with Eskimos long snapper Ryan King. Brad Lauer will join us before 7 o'clock as well, the head coach for the Edmonton Oil Kings. Uh, different, uh, different expectations for the Oil Kings than last season I think last year going in yeah, can they sneak into the playoffs maybe win 30 to 35 games won over 40 games went to the conference final so that's something they're gonna have to uh, they're gonna have to consider for sure. Uh, gonna wrap up some thoughts here from you on Jesse Puarvi Brent says the Oilers drafted in the top seven for seven years in a row Reed. they will have only four of those players on the team this year. Pretty poor decisions made along the way by a variety of managers and coaches. That is from Brent, and uh, yeah, just double checking during the break. So they had the top. They had a pick in the top seven, seven years in a row. The four who will be on the team: Nurse, McDavid, Drysaitl, Nugent-Hopkins. The three who will not be on the team this year: Pulleyarv, Yakupov, and Hall. Uh, two of those three players, they will have nothing in in return. Well, I mean, they traded Yakupov for. A contract, but Yakupov and Puliyarvi—they really got nothing for Hall. Obviously, was uh, was traded for Adam Larson. So, uh, yeah, I mean, fair for Brent. When you've done as, as poorly as, as the Oilers have for as long as they have, you can come at it from a lot of different angles. I've often talked about how poorly they've done drafting good players after the first round. Uh, but Brent's stepping in today and saying, well, even some players they've drafted in the first round ha- haven't haven't all turned out they got some pretty good ones on the list that they do have uh, a really good one on the list that they don't have in hall and then a couple guys who didn't pan out and you can question those draft picks should have those picks been uh, certainly i I think now hindsight being 2020 certainly with the yakupov pick it's easy to say now they should have just traded it traded traded down got the best defenseman available uh but didn't work out that way And yakupov had a Pretty promising first season in the NHL and then kind of dropped off after that. Jeremy from Glendon texting in. He says, hey, Reed, it seems like the Eskimos need to overcome a mental hurdle to beat teams over 500. Despite having no finish, we uh, we competed really closely against Winnipeg and even capitalizing on one more drive could have won that game for the Eskimos. If we can overcome that hurdle, I think Calgary is the most vulnerable they've been in years. Speaking of no finish... This time finished with a capital F and two Ns. Pulley Harvey can stay overseas. As far as I'm concerned, I have no doubt. Connor was talking about him when he said, "If you don't want to be here, you can get out." That is Jeremy from Glendon texting in tonight. Well, uh, you know what? The, this Eskimo story has it, it. The 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 losses have a very common thread, and that is. That they they have not been able to get touchdowns. They they have not been able to finish drives either. They've shot themselves in the foot. They've bogged down in the red zone. They've committed a turnover. They've committed they've committed a penalty. And it it doesn't. And look, we're sitting here six and four. Which way is it going to go? And and I know for Eskimos fans, certainly for me, last year they were six and three and they were looking okay. And then they went three and six in the second half of the season, and they missed the playoffs because even though they were sixth overall, they were last in the West. So this year they're six and three at the break. They, they've done some good things, you know. Yeah, they they beat up on some bad teams, but you got to do that. So they're six and three now. They got Winnipeg, Calgary, Calgary, Hamilton, and you start that with a loss to Winnipeg, and again a game that was there to the taking, there for the taking. I, I, I do, like I said before, I do think with this mm-hmm. one you know the defense didn't adjust and make as many plays as they needed to but again you kick seven field goals you're getting the ball down the field you're not punching it in all right so look at this the Eskimos are first in the league in net offense per game 438 yards the next best team is Saskatchewan the Eskimos are 70 yards ahead of them in yards per game The Eskimos are first in second-down conversions. They are first in the number of plays, offensive plays per game. They are first in yards per play, which is interesting because we've talked on this show about too many short plays, too many short passes. Well, they actually lead the league in yards per play. They lead the league in first downs. They lead the league in fewest sacks allowed. They've allowed only six sacks in ten games. Those are all some pretty important categories. Yards, first down conversions, plays per game, yards per play, most first. So everything indicates they're staying on the field. They're moving the ball down the field. They're fifth in offensive touchdowns. So all of a sudden in a nine-team league, you're first in all these key offensive categories. You're right in the middle, the definition of average, five out of nine in offensive touchdowns. In the red zone, the Eskimos have been there thirty times. They have fourteen touchdowns. That's forty-seven uh, percent. That's eighth in the Canadian Football League. So, of everything we can talk about, we talk about you know getting inside the forty, and then ultimately the red zone, getting inside the twenty, and and finishing the drives. So, as as much as the play calling is something that we have discussed and as i have said there are times it frustrates me to see passes go straight off to the side or to stationary receivers that really burns my butt they still move the ball as 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 much as we roll our eyes at, at some of the plays that that they don't throw the ball very far downfield and a guy gets tackled they they've still they've got the yards that that can't be denied from the stats so even myself i got to say like okay maybe I got to be a little more open-minded with some of the plays, but it it is, they are just not finishing. So when they get in the red zone, is it execution? Is it mistakes? Is it play calling? Well, I mean, they've thrown passes to the end zone that, that haven't worked. They've run short yardage plays that, that haven't worked. You, you, You probably look at each situation and, and find something different. So now, which way is it going to go? Is this just going to be the story of the year, the offense that put up all these yards and no points, or is this a team that's eventually going to break out in the final eight games of the season? If, if they don't break out, then it's going to be the same story. They, they should be able to beat the weaker teams in the league. And they're going to keep coming up just short against the teams that are better than them because you can't let key plays slip away against the good teams. Uh, Quarterback Trevor Harris, who leads the league in passing yards by 1,000 yards over Mike Riley, is ready to end the offensive struggles oh yeah <laughs> yeah definitely <laughs> i mean it's but it's not uh it's not just a calgary thing i think it's just
2: offensively us you know we're we move the ball better than anybody in the league we're you know we're averaging however many yards we are and we're we're moving the ball we just got to finish drives and you know that's the thing that's frustrating is the small things that are happening to to stall us but uh we're going to get it fixed i can guarantee that
1: all right well hey they've been saying that all year they got time to fix it but they're in a league where two thirds of the teams make the playoffs, and I'll tell you what: the Eskimos aren't finishing fifth in the league in the in the West this year because BC's doing their best to lock that up as soon as possible. So they're 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 likely going to be in the playoffs if they can you know be good enough to at least get a crossover. But but man, man, those games have been there, and and I, I, look, Kellen, you know what? I I try not to be one of those guys that critiques victory. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's the nature of being a sports fan and sports talk radio. You always look at your team and say, how do we get to the next level? Right? So if we're doing this about the BC Lions, you're probably saying, how could we win two games in the second half of the season instead of the one we won in the first half? If you're six and four, and you've had games right there. We're sitting here saying how could have we got that seventh or eighth win, and how do we win those in the second half of the year? Head coach Jason Moss asked if the
2: red zone issues are starting to wear on the team. Well, I don't know if it ever wears you out. I mean, it's a challenge, and so I think as coaches, you always look at it as a challenge and try to figure it out, and try to keep confidence within your players and make them understand that details matter and little things matter, and if you're not able to do those, you're not going to be successful down there. I mean, everything's heightened when you're in the red zone, I mean it's it's a little bit different than playing in the middle of the field. So, you know, I, I just think it just comes down to execution at times. And uh, you know, again, we've we've kind of looked at everything. We're going to practice things a little bit differently this week to kind of get our guys a little bit more comfortable being down there. And then ultimately, it's a mindset. You got to you got to be uh, willing to to lock in and understand the details uh, while you're down there and execute. All right, well.
1: They continue, I mean he's saying the same thing and it, cl- clearly they're working on it and then at what point does working on it make it weigh on you even more I mean you have to practice it but they're being asked about it they know on the field Sean White's running out I mean Sean White kicked 14 field goals in two games against Winnipeg like, that's insane And of course they lost both games. First in that offense, first in second down conversions, first in offensive plays per game, first in yards per play, first in first downs, allowed the fewest sacks in the league, fifth in offensive touchdowns scored. Doesn't add up. Can they make it add up? We'll get the next chapter in that Monday when they take on the Stampeders. Norm in a combine says, uh, Hey, Reed, when is the first Oilers broadcast? Sitting in the combine, waiting patiently. Norm, I hope someone's bringing you food and water. If you're going to be in the combine until there's the first Oilers game broadcast, you'll, you'll be sitting in the combine until September 10th when we're going to broadcast a game between the Oilers rookies and the Flames rookies that's going to be played in Calgary. Edmonton Oil Kings head coach Brad Lauer when we get back. <laughs>
0: for all the news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chat. He
1: won two great cups with the Edmonton Eskimos. He knows all about the Battle of Alberta and Labor Day. He is former linebacker Singor Mobley. He's going to join us after the 7 o'clock news. That'll be fun. Hockey starting to roll. The Edmonton Oil Kings getting into rookie camp and main camp this week. I'm pleased to welcome back to Inside Sports the head coach of the Oil Kings, Brad Lauer. Brad, how are you doing?
3: I'm doing good thanks for having me it's been a it's been a quick summer but it's been uh, it's been good
1: well, it's good to talk to you again, and of course, the Oil Kings are getting rolling now. Oddly enough, Brad, even though you're the head coach of the Oil Kings, we actually didn't talk on air a lot during the playoffs because uh, you and your communication staff were kind enough to uh, let me have Connor McDonald and Wyatt McLeod in studio b- before each each round coming up, yep. and and uh, and they were great. And, and I got to I got to give the Oil Kings organization credit for making those guys available, and and they were showing some great. Personality, and I and I think that maybe says something yeah. about you as a coach too. Because sometimes hockey uh, guys are discouraged from showing personality, but but they came in here and they yeah. and they were a lot of fun. Yeah, you
3: know what? I I caught a couple of those those shows, and uh, I, I thought it was it was good. I thought they did a really good job, and like you said. And, you know, like you said, I think it's a good opportunity for some some guys to to be able to to get into that the communication stuff, uh, get out of their comfort zone, um, get out of that stigma that hockey. You know, you can't do anything but think about hockey, and you know that's one thing we try to do with our guys here is is, is give them a little bit of. Um, when I, did, I'm not saying freedom, but proper let let them uh, grow a little bit just away from the game too, uh, learning some people skills. I think that's important too. And I thought I thought our guys did a really good job with you during uh, during the playoff run.
1: Yeah, they were a lot, they were a lot of fun for sure, and you could tell they were they were having a blast as as teammates and yeah. being oil kings and representing <laughs> the, the city. I know they wanted one more round, but but didn't quite get there. Yeah. And, and uh, how how did you sort of digest uh, once you kind of got into the summer and the off season? How did you sort of digest and and file away everything that that happened last year? Like every team wants to win the championship, but I think a lot of observers yeah. consider that a successful season for the oil kings.
3: Yeah, you know, obviously uh, we talked quite a bit uh, during during the season and, and what we were expecting and you know, what other you know people thought we were going to be able to accomplish uh, last season. And you know, I was very fortunate. I think uh, I had a better group of kids than what some people gave credit to. Um, I thought they did it. I thought they came together quite well as the season went along. It was one of those seasons where uh, we came out of the gate really, really good. US trip and we stumbled and we grew up. You know, we got a little bit of uh, humble pie. Uh, We lost uh, all six games on our US trip and, you know, that kind of grew our team though, uh, going through a phase like that. And I thought our guys handled it well. And, you know, looking at the whole season, I was really happy with the guys and what we accomplished as a group and uh, what our organization was able to do um, after the last couple of years, what they've gone through. And uh, just the kids, what they've gone through, you know, the last couple of years as far as not winning consistently. and Being able to get a taste of that and and, uh, look forward to this season starting.
1: So so it, it's funny, Brad, as soon as the WHL final ended, people already start making their predictions for next year. You know what it's like in the, in the yeah, hockey yeah. world. and it's, well, Oil yeah. kings are going to be good, oil kings are going to be good. So how do you, how, yeah. how do you uh, approach that going into to this year? Does it need to be uh, addressed or talked about as you get into camp? How do you approach the increased well, expectations? Yeah,
3: you know, I think we, we we'll, it's definitely got to be talked. And, you know, we're not flying under the radar anymore. And that's a credit to what our guys did last season. For us, Um, but understanding the importance of of uh, you know taking advantage of what we did last season and and being ready to play, and I think our guys, a lot of guys returning this year, put a lot of work in their summer training and to get ready for this year, and you know we'll definitely address um, you know what. The expectations are. I know what, what I'm expecting from the guys, but again, we can't take things for granted. It's not just, just because we had a successful year last year doesn't mean it just happens uh, automatically. We we got to go out and, and 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 work for it and earn it, and you know it starts in practice. And you know we lost a couple key guys. You know our three 20 year olds lost benja Fields. You know uh, fighting, and then obviously Trey. Uh, not returning so we lost a lot of offense but you know that's junior hockey and you look forward to the next group of guys to take that next step in junior hockey and i think we have a good core guys that are that are ready for for that next step and i i'm excited about this season
1: Brad Lauer, head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings, joining us tonight on Inside Sports. Cup Co- couple of guys who there's going to be a lot of hype around around their seasons. Matthew Robertson, he got drafted uh, in the second round by the New York Rangers. So yep. e- exciting for him and, and exciting mm-hmm. to have him here, uh, you know, getting drafted and, and now probably being one of the leaders on your team here.
3: Yeah, he's really growing as a player. I think he handled a lot of, you know, last year there was a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure on these kids that are in their draft year and, uh, that whether they put some on their on themselves or uh just the way uh the hockey is now. and now in our country it's, it's just a big thing to see uh to, to go through and there's a lot of pressure on these kids and I thought he handled it quite well um you know well, he had some he had some unfortunate uh, injuries uh, along the way last year but he you know overall he had a, a really solid year and, and again uh, he's one of those guys like you say with, he's got to take that next step uh he's a year older with with a year uh, under his, more under his belt and you know, we're going to expect, we're going to expect more from him. And, uh, you know, I think he's, he's one of those players that, uh, uh, can give you big minutes, uh, play in all situations and, and, uh, he's he's going to be leaned on a lot this year.
1: Jake Neighbors got to represent Canada in the Holinka Gretzky cup. He's, you know, going to be drafted next summer, possibly quite high. I, you know, we've had this guy, uh, this young man on the show and, uh, uh, you, you turn on the radio mid-interview, and you wonder if you're talking to a 35 year old <laughs> NHL veteran with 1,200 games. But uh, he, he seems yeah. like a pretty special guy.
3: He is, and I mean, I think you you, you hit it right. I mean, he's very mature for his age, and we've talked about this in the past. Is that you know when he was 16, you, 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 like, he, he carries himself very well. Um, he plays a heavy game, um, you know, for for a young guy. Last year, he had three or four fights for us. You know he, he can play that type of game, and you know you think that uh, you know he had some boats with some you know nineteen twenty year olds last year and, and did extremely well. and um, You know he's one of those kids that's very mature, uh, very. He's a good size. He's he's, he's gonna. I mean, he's growing quite a bit. He's his um, you know his his frame and his body is. It's, it's he's he's uh, he's a big man already for being such a young for a young guy yet, and you know he's one of those guys that. Uh, you know, is, is going to be watched extremely uh, a lot this season by you know, all, all the all the scouts, and you know we're expecting him to have a have a good year for us.
1: You know, Brad, the, the first time you and I met in person was uh, last summer. I think we talked over the phone, but you came in probably just over a year ago, and when we had a, a good in studio chat. And we talked about right. what had happened in the in the NHL playoffs because you know you you'd been uh, you know with the Lightning and it got up got up, mm-hmm. upended by the Caps. You know I know this year you were coaching deep into the playoffs, but you, you keep an eye on the NHL and it was uh, it was St. Louis outlasting Boston in, in a pretty fun series. And yeah. sometimes things that happen in the NHL are going to trickle down to, to Major Junior, maybe in sure. terms of styles or tendencies. Anything stand out mm-hmm. for you in the NHL postseason this year?
3: Well, I think I think you can take a lot away from, from the NHL and, and kind of compare and do some compare and contrast with, with our group here as far as, you know, obviously St. Louis. I think they said around, you know, just before Christmas, they were in last place or dead last. And, uh, you know, they made a couple changes and, and uh, you know, they, they stuck with it and picked away you know they they didn't quit they just uh, they kept playing for each other. That was the biggest thing I think they became a team um you know just after Christmas and uh, they became tight in the group and you know I think you could you know, we there's some comparisons with our group I mean I thought we'd grown as a as a team uh last year a lot with each other and and just the way we we we, we spoke with each other or, or you know got along everyone was really tight there was no clicks or anything like that and you know, I think a team like St. Louis is is a good example for for our guys to take a look at what 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 they accomplished. Um, you know, to be able to win the Stanley Cup and the adversity that they went through. Uh, you can definitely use some of that for us.
1: Okay, well, you guys are rolling here. Uh, rookie camp, main camp, playing some preseason games next week already. So it's going to be fun to follow yeah. the Will Kings this season. Brad, thanks so much for checking in. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, thanks, thanks for having me. Good stuff. That is Brad Lauer, the head coach of the Edmonton Oil Kings. That, you know what that how fun was that last playoffs when Connor McDonald and Wyatt McLeod came in? They those are guys, those a guys were great awesome. Great person- We'll have to get them in again. Sure. Yep. Hopefully they will grace us with their presence. once Oh, again. I think we could probably get them back at least a couple times. I, I think we, yeah, maybe some Northern Chicken. Might get them back in. Get them a couple pieces each. They'll be fine. Sure. Blue Jays leading Atlanta 2-0. That game is in the bottom of the sixth. Hey, this is going to be fun. You used to cheer this guy on. Singor Mobley, former linebacker for the Edmonton Eskimos, two-time Grey Cup champion, great player. This was the time of year he'd be getting revved up for Labor Day. We'll get some memories and see what he's up to now after the 7 o'clock news.